As we encounter God's word, let us once again begin with prayer. O Holy Spirit of God, teach us what it means to know you, love you, and serve you. In your name we ask, amen. Our first lectionary text is from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 23. This is a passage frequently quoted that says, We are all one in Christ Jesus. The law does not make us righteous, but in Christ we are children of God. Hear now the words of Scripture. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson today comes from the gospel of St. Luke chapter 8. In this particular passage, it's a passage about demons, as Sarah mentioned. And in this passage, it uses the word of the abyss. You know, who's banished to the abyss? And the abyss is a place of confinement for demonic forces, um, forces that may be hostile to God. But as you know, all forces are ultimately under the control of God. Hear now the gospel. When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. Wrong passage. Wrong one. Here we go. I'm into next week already. (laughs) Actually, Jesus had, had left with his disciples, and they were going across the sea. And there was this turbulent storm, and he calms the waves, and it scares them to death. But the disciples know his power. And when they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, they stepped out on land. A man of the city who had demons met him, and for a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus then commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there on the hillside was a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. 
Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herders saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and the country. People came out to see what had happened, and when they saw Jesus, and they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his, and in his right mind, they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons is now healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. They were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The word of the Lord. I remember many years ago living in Dallas, Texas, and having to go to work at 11 o'clock at night as a nurse at Parkland Hospital. And I had to go through some pretty rough neighborhood. And so Wes would always remind me, be careful, lock your doors, don't stop. When you get there, give me a call. You know, I don't know that much about Lincoln, but are there some areas that you're careful not to travel at night due to safety? In our text today, Jesus and his disciples traveled to a location that no Orthodox Jew should have even entered. Scripture says it was on the other side, the east side of the lake. In other words, the other side of the tracks. And they had a pretty bumpy ride just getting there, so they knew Jesus had power. And they arrive in this Gentile territory called Gerasenes, opposite Galilee, and as soon as they step out on the land, they see why it's the wrong neighborhood for any good Jewish man to enter. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us not to fear where you send us to care for a hurting world. Help us to be instruments of your healing grace. Amen. Well, as soon as they step out of the boat, they meet a man. He's filthy dirty. He's buck naked. He's wild looking. He's yelling at the top of his lungs. He's shackled, and he's in their face. He's shackled to keep him under control because he was prone to violent impulses. He was living in a cemetery, and that's a place where Jews could not go because it would make them ritually unclean, even if they just stepped inside. And, and it was near a pig farm. That's another thing Jews would not come near. And now this man is confronting Jesus and his disciples. You know, my question is, why would Jesus ask his disciples, ask us, to go to uncharted territory for the purpose of healing the unknown, 
sharing the good news. Elder Ernie Hines, our clerk of session, gave me a quote from a book just this last week, Living Wisely with the Church Fathers by Christopher A. Hall. Now, before your eyes glaze over when I said I'm quoting from the Church Fathers, just bear with me for a minute. He's quoting, and I can't remember who he's quoting now, but it, it was in his book. And he says, you know, we have a dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible and twist him into a version of Jesus that we're just more comfortable with. A Jesus that's nice, middle class, American Jesus. A Jesus who doesn't mind materialism, who would never call us to give away everything we have. A Jesus who would not expect us to forsake a relationship so that we could give our allegiance to Jesus. A Jesus who's fine with our nominal devotion because it won't infringe on our comforts. After all, he loves us just the way we are. A Jesus who wants us to be balanced, who wants us to avoid extreme danger, who for that matter wants us to avoid a lot of stuff. A Jesus who brings comfort and prosperity as we live out this Christian spin on the American dream. Well, in other words, I believe that this American ideal of Jesus would never ask us to go to Gerasene. The article goes on just a bit more and says we're dominated by the Enlightenment values that rule American culture. Pursuit of happiness, unrestricted freedom of choice, disdain for authority, a prosperity gospel, and a comfortable sense of life is all about this, fill in the blanks. It fills the minds of devout Christians in our circles today. But as I read this passage, there seems to be a disconnect. It conflicts with what Jesus is doing, where he went out of his way with his disciples to a treacherous place to take care of the least of these. Jesus always went where there was suffering and pain, and he brought healing and salvation. You know, our text today says that this man obviously has a serious mental condition, perhaps serious physical condition as well, but conditions that did not have a diagnosis or a label in the first century. At that time, they, they lumped a lot of things into demon possession, many demons. The man himself, when they ask about his name, he says, Legion, Legion, many demons. I've got a multitude of problems. When we try to interpret scripture, we must go to the culture and the context. You know, as we said, many conditions were just lumped together as demon possession in that day. But today, we have a plethora of mental and physical disorders described in our very sophisticated world of medicine and our DSM of psychiatric disorders. I remember once as a nurse, 
I was caring for a patient who had an infection. That was the diagnosis, but it wasn't just an infection. This man had an anaerobic synergistic bacteriostatic gas gangrene. Whew. As a nurse, I was expected to understand what each word meant and how the medical team was going to treat him. It seemed like a legion of issues for sure. But the man in the graveyard did not have access to medical diagnosis and treatment. So they just generalized demon possession. Now the strange encounter that Jesus has with this man who doesn't have a name, and Jesus seems to understand his tormented soul and without hesitation offers him healing or exorcism. Jesus didn't have to do anything elaborate. He was able to just speak the words, and this man is healed. In fact, every instance when Jesus encounters someone who is demon-possessed, the spirit cries out in fear at the sight of Jesus. In the story, the, the demons are begging him not to banish them into the abyss. Jesus has the power that they cannot withstand. You know, it's interesting that when Jesus releases people from whatever, whatever is tormenting them, even those who are witnessing are afraid. They beg him. They beg him. The townspeople come out. They beg him to leave, leave. We're afraid of you. You would think if they knew who it was, they would ask him to set them free, to heal any evil powers that may oppress them. But this is Gentile territory, and perhaps they had a simple value that their pigs were more worth more than this man. Was the man's life worth 600 pigs? Someone owned those pigs. Someone planned on feeding their family with those pigs or making a profit off of those pigs. They're, someone's facing an economic loss. Who's going to pay? Those pigs just drowned. Maybe they're afraid of Jesus because they saw that he had the power to say a word and set a man free, a man who had been horribly tormented for years. It, it, it's hard to say why the locals asked Jesus to leave. But I think this whole episode invites us to consider what Jesus has to do with the forces that occupy and control us. The way of reading it this way neither denies the possibility of demon possession or diminishes the possibility that it was just Jesus healing, but it challenges us to think more broadly about Jesus' sovereignty and power over all the powers that destroy human life today. You know, I think of how many people are haunted by post-traumatic stress and tortured, incapacitated by painful memories. 
How many live unsheltered and inadequately clothed in our socially and economically, economic forces that it doesn't seem like they can overcome no matter how hard they try? I wasn't going to share, but I'm going to. We have a person that lives in our parking lot right now. He stayed in the parking lot at the library, but he moved up into ours because of the shade. And I've gotten to know over the last month or so, Jesse. Jesse's a young man, probably under 30, lives in his car. He's a brittle diabetic, and a week ago, Jesse had a diabetic reaction and fell and hurt his shoulder, skinned up his face. He uses the library to try to find a job, and he gets a few hours work, and it helps him pay for his insulin. He has no insurance. It helps him have a little bit of food. But the people here, the staff, have been befriending him, thanks to John Paul particularly. Jesse is one of those that's at our door. You think of how many people are in prison, and, and their life is like they're cast out, barely human. How many are enslaved to addiction in our society today? And they no longer know where their addiction ends and their own real self begins. They're so caught up. Or where governing authorities separate families, denying them an opportunity to seek a better life, and we can't somehow fix this problem together as a nation, or where occupying armies are brutalizing entire communities as we see, and they're captive to fear. Demons. Demons. We all have them. And sometimes, instead of addressing them head on, we go at great lengths to avoid them, silence them, control them, and if all else fails, we just run away or escape. But we all have demons. It's probably why Jesus made that trip to a spiritually unclean, Roman-occupied Gentile, Gentile town full of swine in the first place. I think Jesus had a point to make that none of us are so unclean that we are out of the reach of God's love and grace, healing and salvation. We may not want to hear that we too are part of this scripture. If this passage, we can just look at the man who is disturbed and dirty and homeless, he's a different dude, he's out there. And we can pretend that we have our act together. But the truth is, Jesus can and will meet us in our darkest tomb with the promise that our lives don't have to stay the same. Jesus comes to challenge us and to cast out every power that prevents us from living life fully and freely as the human beings created in God's image. Because Jesus claims sovereignty, not only of our souls, but of our lives here on earth, every bit of it. Many of us resist deliverance from legion because it's 
frightening, demanding, too costly in some way. But those whom Jesus has freed and healed find this as good news. And they too want to share and proclaim throughout the city, throughout the countryside, just as the man from Gerasene was commissioned to do by Jesus. Go home, share the good news. It is in Christ alone that we find the courage and the strength to face our demons together. We too are called at times to cross the sea to the east side and to address the demons of some who may not have access to the power and the knowledge of God's love. For there is nothing you can do, nowhere you can go, no tomb dark enough, no sin too dirty, and no demon too powerful to separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.